0: Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Kublai campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. You can come to church Sunday after Sunday, Good Friday after Good Friday, Christmas after Christmas, and miss it. But give me a few minutes of your time this morning, please. Let me share with you the importance of of the hope that is found in Christ because of the cross of Calvary. Ronald Payne, the great theologian, said A look of love was on his face, the thorns upon his head. The blood was on that scarlet robe, stained in crimson red. Though his eyes were on the crowd that day, he looked ahead in time. And when he saw on the cross, you and I were on. His mind Jesus that great lamb of God according to Revelation 13 verse 8 was slain before the foundations of the world and Paul reminds us in Ephesians 1 4 that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world somebody will say that the cross of Calvary was a mistake friends far from that far from that God never made a mistake. It's not in his character to make mistakes. Gospel of Mark is the shortest gospel. And 25% of that gospel, a quarter of that gospel, is spent in the last week of the life of Jesus. And I want to read from Mark 15, verses 21 to 39. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him, dividing up his clothes They cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let's let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, "Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani," which means, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Folks, more books have been written about Jesus than any other person in the history of humankind. And no topic has been written about more than the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the enemies of faith write about uh, the cross. And so when you look at the the real pain and suffering of what took place on Calvary, it takes you back. And even non-believers, atheists, have written about this. The great theologian Dr. John Stott wrote about the cross. He said, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? I turned to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged into God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He set aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood tears, and death. Friends, I've preached many times on the pain and suffering of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. In fact, I think it's crucial. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. He said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But I want to share with you this morning one of my favorite topics if ever I would preach on, and that's the love of God that was demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. And what does that mean for you and for me today? I want to answer the question, what really happened on the cross? Number one, prophecy was fulfilled on the cross. Friends, when you do apologetics, now that's a fancy word for defending the faith, not apologizing for the faith, but defending the faith. When you think about apologetics, one of the strongest arguments for the supernatural nature of the Bible is uh, Bible prophecy. Over 70 Old Testament predictions about the Jewish Messiah. And friends, part of that is about Jesus of Nazareth. And 25 of those predictions about uh, his suffering and death Take place on the cross of Calvary. And so you'll realize that in Psalm 22, it says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. A band of evil men has encircled me, and they have pierced my hands and my feet. That is written in Psalm 22, way before Jesus went to the cross. That's in the Old Testament. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. The soldiers weren't there saying, uh, What does Psalm 22 say? Let's get it right. No, all the soldiers were doing, were, they were doing their job, and they were doing their job very, very well. Very, very well. And so unwittingly, they were fulfilling scripture. Friends, that's not coincidental, that's an act of God. We also know that Jesus died as a Passover lamb. In Exodus 12, verse 46, it speaks about this Passover lamb, that it had to be unblemished. In other words, it had to be perfect. No broken bones, because selfishness would say, let's take that lamb that's deformed, that's got a broken bone, that's limping. No, it was unblemished. And we read about that, that Jesus uh, was unblemished, if you like. He was perfect. They never had to break one bone of his, bo- of his body, not one. No matter all the torture that he went through, surely at least one little bone would have been broken. But scripture says not one, not one. And so when they came around after a few hours, we know that the soldiers had this metal mallet. and They would go and they would crush the kneecaps and the knees of those who were on the cross. So they wouldn't be able to push themselves up and breathe. Because that's what took place. They would push themselves up to breathe because they hung on that cross. And the pain was so bad that it began to to hurt them. And, And they couldn't breathe. And so they would push themselves up. And at the right time, after a few hours, the soldiers would go past. And they would crush those kneecaps of those people on the cross. Because... They wanted them to die out of suffocation. A cruel, cruel death. But they come to the Lord Jesus Christ and they see he was dead already. The other two soldiers, had to break their knees. But Jesus was dead already. Coincidence? Hardly. And so what they do is to make sure they took a spear and they pierced his side. They pierced it. and The Bible says that blood and water flowed. I can't fathom that. But I read a medical journal and it says that when you die, your lungs rise. Your lungs rise. And what happens is water drops down. And as water drops down, it mixes with the blood. So when they pierced his side, as his lungs lifted, because they were not in use anymore, blood and water flowed. Folks, that was predicted in the Old Testament. It says in John 19, verse 33 and 34, but when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus aside with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. What scripture? Psalm 34 spoke about it. Many, many years before that. Coincidence? Coincidence? Hardly no one not one of his bones will be broken it says and as another scripture says they will look on the one they have pierced amazing things about the old testament prophecies that come to pass in the crucifixion of the lord jesus christ also goodness god turned his face from the cross secondly god turned his face from the cross. Jesus was nailed on the cross at 9 a.m. in the morning, and there was a lot of activity those first three hours. People walked past shouting blasphemy at him. You know, uh, he he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Not working, that's okay, that's okay. That's what big fat Greeks do, they sweat. (laughs) Jesus cried, Jesus cried, Father, forgive them for what, for they know not what they do. Some people have said, Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they've got the wrong person on the cross. It was the right person on the cross. It wasn't a mistake. Jesus also said to his disciples, uh, cried out to John and said, John, please take care of Mary, my mother. And then something happened. The Bible says in verse 33, there was darkness that covered the entire Land. Darkness covered the entire land. And that word darkness, folk, is the Greek word skotos, which it almost means death. It's, it's a play on words, depends on where you put the accent. Skotos or skotos. You know, it, it, there was darkness that came upon the earth. And it's, the word earth there is the word ye, which uh, actually means land. It wasn't kind of an eclipse or a thunderstorm or something like that, there was total darkness for three hours. And you begin to see the supernatural darkness that took place there. Why? Because God is light. And when he turned his face, there was darkness. And why did he turn his face? Because he saw his sin-stained Son on the cross for you and for me. I cannot fathom it. What love that is, that a father seeing his son in so much pain on the cross of Calvary has to turn his face away for you and for me. That's love, absolute love. The Bible says there was darkness and he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 34. Folk, that word forsaken and catalipo. And Enkatalipot means, my Lord, my, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you left me behind? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you deserted me is what that word means. Why have you left me helpless? And it had to happen, friends, for you and for me so the penalty of sin could be paid. But the father could not tolerate that. He had to turn his face. We read in 1 John 1.5 that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. In Habakkuk 1.13, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. God spoke through Isaiah 54 verses 7 and 8 and said, For a brief moment I abandoned you. For a brief moment I abandoned you. Quote, that was said 2,700 years earlier. It wasn't a mistake. I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. Isaiah chapter 54. Friends, the Father and the Son were co equal and co eternal, but in that moment, the humanity of Jesus took on our sins and God turned his face away. That great 17th century hymn writer Isaac Watts said it this way, Alas, and did my savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Basically speaking, what uh, David said in Psalm 22, he carries on and says, Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man, the centuries or the creatures sin. Friends, Jesus turned his face away from the cross because it was too painful to see. Thirdly, Jesus paid the penalty of my sin on the cross. When he was on the cross, you and I were on his mind. He was taking our punishment. And so we don't meet once a year just to, uh, you know, it's what we do and have um, hot cross buns. No, we're reminded once again of that cruel cross that Jesus uh, died for you and for me. He died in my place. Hundreds of years before that, on Mount Moriah, there was a man by the name of Abraham, And in obedience, God says to him, I want to check your obedience and your faithfulness to me. Take your son Isaac up on Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. And so he did in obedience. You can imagine the pain and the sorrow that was in this man's heart. And just before Abraham goes to kill Isaac and sacrifice his son, God says, an angel says, stop, there is a ram in the thicket. Now friends, my aunt has got... Rams in the village and goats, and you try and hold that ram or that goat down. You cannot. And here is a ram that's caught, not by a human being, but caught in the bush. What are the chances of that? And and Abraham is able to go and sacrifice that ram instead. He was substituted for you and for me. He paid the penalty of my sin on that cross. I'm reminded in Isaiah 53 verse 5 that talks about my my sin that he paid the price for. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. There's a church in Norway where the figure of a lamb can be seen carved high up on the tower Of that church it's a fascinating story about one of the builders that was up there and he fell off the stepladder and as he came down through that scaffolding uh, he landed at the bottom but he landed on a sheep he landed on a sheep and that sheep basically uh, broke his fall and uh, up uh, on the the top of that building um, uh, he, he was able to go and carve a lamb on the tower of the exact height from which he fell. Carved a lamb. And when you go and you see this uh, now, I'm told, uh, it reminds him of that lamb that took his fall and died so he could live. I'm reminded that I owed a debt I could not pay. And he paid A debt he did not owe. Let me say that again. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. His name is Jesus. He paid the penalty for your sins and for my sins. And I think it's absolute arrogance if we say that there is nothing wrong with us. Our human nature is one of rebellion, my friends. One of rebellion. He had to pay the penalty for our sins so we might be truly free. Not free to do whatever we want, but truly free for an eternal purpose. And then finally, there's a way to God for me because of the cross. There is a way to God for you and for me because of the cross. About 300 meters uh, down the road from Golgotha uh, stood a Jewish temple. There were two rooms in that Jewish temple. The one was called the most holy place. And the other one is the Holy of Holies. In the most holy place, some priests could enter in. But in the, most ho- or the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could enter into that room there. And between the two was this big curtain, 20 meters high and 10 meters wide. And it was so thick, it's the thickness of uh, a man's hand. That's how thick that curtain was. And so uh, there was certain barriers, but the Bible says in verse 30 that that curtain was torn from top to bottom, from top to bottom. And the word torn there is the word schizo, where we get the the kind of the mental um, uh, condition of schizophrenia, you know, split personality. We also get the word scissors from it, Scissors. It was torn or cut from where? Top to bottom. Top to bottom. And it's interesting, the word top there is the word anothen, where we get, you know, John 3:3, 3, 3, you must be born again. Terrible translation. You must be born from on top, from above. Anothen, same word. And so uh, what we read there, that, that that curtain was torn from top to bottom. What does that mean for you and for me today? Well, we no longer have to go anywhere to have a mediator because that curtain is torn. I don't need to go to anybody anymore to mediate for me because the price was paid. And the Bible says uh, that um, Jesus paid that full price. He paid that full price. That curtain was torn from top to bottom. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest of the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Some some translations say with confidence. We're able to enter. Why? Because that curtain was torn away. I grew up in the Greek Orthodox Church, and there was a certain area. If this is where everybody sat, there's a certain area where only the priest is able to enter into. He can give you a special blessing for you to enter into the side doors, and only men are able to enter into the side doors. Well, friends, that is no longer the case. Why? Because there were three amazing things that took place because the tur- curtain was torn from top to bottom. No more barriers. No more having only priests enter into the Holy of Holies or the high priest. Everybody can now enter into the presence of God directly. Women were able to go only up to the outer court. They had to stop there and only men were able to go further. No more barriers. Only the high priest was able to go and sprinkle blood on the Ark of the Covenant. No more of that Because Hebrews tells us it was done once and for all. The blood of Jesus paid the penalty. And that's what really happened on the cross. No more barriers. No more barriers. You and I can approach God freely. Secondly, no more sacrifices. If I was bad last night, I would, depends how bad I was, I would bring a sacrifice. No more an innocent animal to die for my stupidity called sins. No more, because Jesus paid the penalty once and for all. And it was a perfect sacrifice with an unblemished lamb. Thirdly, I read in 1 Timothy 2.5 that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. No more mediators, no more having to go to the priest and him mediate on my behalf. No more having to go through all these barriers and all these sacrifices. No more I'm able to enter into the holy of holies. That word, mediator, messitis, um, is that curtain, basically, that, that is the middle between us and God. No more of that. No more because there is an intervener now, the one who has restored us back to the Father. And friends... That's the meaning of the cross. I don't know about you today, but if I read the scriptures, prophecy tells me straight up that this was not a mistake. This was not a mistake. Also, it was so painful that God turned his face away from his son. And that's why it's so acceptable and we are able to be forgiven. And thirdly, Jesus paid that penalty for you and for me. And finally, I'm able to enter because of the cross of Calvary. What a privilege it is to be able to be calling him my father and being able to be called his child because of what he did for you and for me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You paid a debt that you did not owe because we could not pay it ourselves. And so, Lord, we pray that this will become a reality in our lives. Lord, that this will become so real that we will be changed and transformed forever. Thank you for your body that was given for our sins. Thank you for your blood that was shed That we might have forgiveness. Lord, we pray that you will impact us in a mighty, mighty way. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.